No matter where they go they are known as the couple. They're never seen alone so they're known as the couple. As I've indicated, they are never quite separated. They are peas in a pod. Don't you think that it's odd? Their habits, I confess. None can guess with the couple. If one says no it's yes, more or less, with the couple. But they're laugh provoking. Yet they really don't know they're joking. Don't you find? When love is blind. It's kind of odd. Hello! And welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Deep Space Nine. Um, I didn't quite remember the odd couple theme there, but... Yes. Oh yeah, so that's what this show is... With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. And my name uh, is Wade Bowen. And yep, we're going through an episode called Alive. Deep Space Nine stuff. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. It's called The Ascent. Yes, this is episode nine of season five. It originally aired on November 25th, 1996. Uh, here's the IMDb description. When Odo and Quark crash land, they must put aside their differences to climb a mountain to signal for help. Jake and Nog try to be roommates, but their different styles clash. This is wrong. That is, they don't have to put up their differences aside at all to signal they for don't, help. They don't. They don't. That's not required at Jake, the least. Jake just has to move. <laughs> No, I'm talking about Odo and Quark. They don't oh, have to put up. Yeah. It yes. says it says the description says when Odo and Quark crash land, they must put aside their differences to climb a mountain to signal for help. They don't have to put aside their differences. Their differences <laughs> are non-conflicting with the <laughs> right. I think we're kind of wonderfully so. That's one of the best things about this episode to me. I like this episode. I think this is a fine episode. It's actually one of the episodes that whenever I think about Star Trek Discovery, uh, this this one pops up hmm. because it's so Odo and Quark heavy. And when we were talking about doing this podcast, this is one of them that I sort of looked forward to. Yeah, and it may mostly for the Quark and, and Odo stuff. I like that. Yeah, yeah, this is so. yeah. I like this one's. Uh, it's a fine. It's kind of a back to basics kind of episode in a lot of ways. It's just like. It goes back to the A and B plot that don't really interact. Parallel themes. They're like... Right. Mm, yeah, there yeah. are parallel the- parallel themes. Yeah, and, I'll agree with that. But it's, you know, it's a... Basically, it's not an away mission, but it's like two guys get crash-landed on a planet and they have to... Fun, you know, that's a pretty basic Star well, Trek. Well, and two guys who aren't technically, like, the bartender <laughs> crash-lands. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, That's interesting. They just have rudimentary knowledge, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, they don't... The problem-solving is just, like, a physical one, you know, yeah, where yeah. you have to get from point A to point B. Right, right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like, one of the... First dichotomy set up in this show is the quark versus yep, absolutely, dynamic. and you know it's hitting that again. But you know, I thought it does a fine enough job with it. It's well, not and at the beginning. Whenever he, I mean, I, I don't remember how it, op- it opens on. It opens with uh, Cisco and Jake talking about moving out. Yes. And actually, I do like that scene at the beginning because uh, here we have the natural progression of a of a captain with a family on board. Mm-hmm. But what happens when the family? 
or, or you know, or in this case, the child grows up. He actually has to. He's gonna move out and move like, oh. out, but he's still like. There's nothing really keeping Jake other than the fact that he has to show up on a TV show. Now that he's, <laughs> right. you know, it's kind of like there's no higher education for the guy, right? And he's sort of making a career out of it. Like he's he's got no real pressure to because he lives in a post scarcity yeah economy, right? He's got no economic reason to like go to school or get a job, so he can kind of just loaf around his dad's station and work on his craft, <laughs> right? I'm I'm an artist, well, which makes him a terminally uninteresting character at this point. Well. He's been accepted to the Pennington School, but I guess he's just, he's taken a couple years. They're not keeping that spot open forever. (laughs) No, I I feel like he forgot about it. He's already writing exposés on Dr. Bashir and shit for people. How much does his uh, shitty, shitty trajectory over the course of this show align with Rory Gilmore's shitty trajectory (laughs) over the course of her? All right, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not... I like Jake Sisko's trajectory and I'm I'm like knee deep into the sixth season of Gilmore Girls and no, I agree with you on that. Rory Gilmore sucks. Oh yeah, she keeps, she doesn't get any better. <laughs> like, anyway. But why do I care? She's everybody just Okay, so well, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> well, there's a there's a few things. I mean, it's interesting to see Captain Sisko have a grown son. You know, he postulates what it would be like one day when Jake is in the same position. I agree. Uh, Jake I agree. isn't that uninteresting. I think I think he is misused, but inherently having somebody who's not going to be a whiz bang Federation dude just because his dad was is an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, he's got a different set of interests that make him a person, and he's pursuing them. And Cisco's kind of got to deal with that too. If he had goals that were oriented towards a visual medium, maybe that would. Oh, maybe I'd be more satisfied. Like if you like, I don't know. Like I, I know this sounds ridiculous, but if there was like a newspaper for Deep Space Nine, uh-huh. <laughs> if there was like a you know a Deep Space Nine Gazette or some sort of. Uh, uh, whatever, and he's trying to work <laughs> and get in on that. Like the Yale newspaper, Rory. <laughs> like the, if it was a little more like the, but I mean, like if he had his goals is to write better stories, yeah, and that's that's great, but it's not. It's also not interesting. Yeah, he lives in a, a semi utopia kind of. Yes, and that's all super interesting. I just wish there was like. I wish there was a way for him to be visually compelled, like every other character in Star Trek is. Well, the way they deal with it is they give him a roommate that he doesn't get along with. Exactly. And Nog is back for some reason, and I don't fully understand why Nog is back. Well, isn't he? He's doing like a he's, he's doing his, his cadet. He's he's in his. Uh, well, that's there's a whole scene between Cisco where Cisco is like uh, to jump in forward a little bit. That's like, okay on this one. Uh, you know, like his cadet training, his sophomore year cadet training field studies yeah and cisco's like i remember back when i was on starbase 137 i thought it was going to be awful but it was the greatest time of my life blah, blah, blah. okay it's the same reason it was like that year in sixth grade where you had half a year was being taught by some pimply ass fucking like 20 year old <laughs> as opposed to your grizzled professor it was like that it's arguably um oh shit why what's her name was on this discovery She's a cadet as well. They send cadets places. Oh, Tilly. Tilly. Yeah, Cadet Tilly. They send cadets for field studies sometimes when the plot demands. All right. Let's postulate something here, here real quick. 
Is it possible that they send these cadets in their sophomore year in the hopes that maybe space itself will weed them out and get, they'll end up getting killed and they won't have to like waste any more time and energy into training somebody that's not suited for the kind of they, work. They, they send the most annoying ones like, oh, Tilly's getting on. Let's put her somewhere, somewhat, some space time anomaly or a gorn or something's just going to eat them up and we'll be done with them. Yeah, if you come back, yeah. Are you saying it's kind of like that argument that the the argument about Narcan that if 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 <laughs> if you make it too readily available less people will die from heroin overdoses and continue to heroin. use heroin. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we have the drug epidemic, right? Cuz people don't die. Yeah. So, don't die from it. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, okay, so so Nog is back. Uh, Nog is back. There's the scene where Jake's moving into not one G12. Nog is back. It's moving to back again. <laughs> oh, you're Jake is back. <laughs> you forgot about Nog. He's not moving to section M. He's he's moving to the other side of the habitat ring, and his dad is like, "When you have a son, you'll feel bad about this." He's like, I don't have a son, motherfucker. And I don't have a son. <laughs> also, Nog is coming back, and Rom is waiting for him, and. Quark brings in root beer and we bring up the whole root beer is the Federation ruining Ferengis is a whole kind of motif throughout the series with Quark. It's so human. It's got sexy, sexy bubbles. Mm. And bubbly. He offers to uh, Odo when Odo comes in. He's like, oh, you're not my son either. Would you like some root beer? It's got bubbles and we know mm. Odo likes to fuck bubbles in his beer. But no, whatever. Yeah. He's not there to drink root beer. He's there to cart Quirk off to Inferna Prime to a Federation Grand Jury because that's what this episode's about. Because they need to get on. Uh, Iris Stephen Bear wanted to write Waiting for Godot on a mountain. Is that is that really? Did you? Yeah, yes, yes. By the way, Iris Stephen Bear, let me just say. <laughs> this I mean, isn't Godot. <laughs> Waiting for Godot is not my favorite Samuel Beckett play. But Samuel Be- Beckett is one of my top five favorite all-time writers. And whatever the fuck you just did with Odo and them on the mountain... That's not waiting for Godot <laughs> no. at all. No. And waiting for Godot sounds good. And was a couple of years earlier, or maybe even this year, no, a couple of years earlier was done good by Seinfeld. So they gave you a blueprint of how to do it mod- updated, but you just didn't take the bait on that. Which did Seinfeld do? Oh, the waiting for a table at the Chinese yeah, restaurant. That, yeah. Who's Cartwright? Uh, okay. I'm Cartwright. Yeah, so basically my whole thing with the, all of this show is this, it, nothing has enough conflict. It's not that I think it's boring, I mean, I think it's boring, but I think it's boring for that reason. Yeah. I don't think the ideas are inherently silly or stupid. I just think that there was like, it's so conflictless that I, it's hard getting hard for it. I feel like the, con- the conflict was all character based and the external conflict was that their crash landed and mm. but the bigger conflict is that they're not getting along you know both of them yeah but like i was thinking like at the time i was like so once nog is like fuck i don't want to live with jake anymore and then it tries to move out and then once they said that you have to like like what if they had like a neighbor who had designs on getting that apartment <laughs> and was trying to push them apart oh yeah and like and then like by ends of it nog hates her and jake <laughs> they, hates her and and though they don't like living with each other they want to spite this bitch or and so, or, or, or tell you what if they had 
the Goyles next door that they're trying to impress. Or no, what if what if they had a Mr. Roper, a Don Knotts type come in? <laughs> Are you gay? Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> or Gary comes, or, you know, just said the check. No, all of these ideas are better than what they did, which was... They they get over it. Yeah, they. It, I did notice. Like, oh wait a minute, we ran out of runtime. The runtime <laughs> necessitates it. They're over it now. <laughs> yeah, I like the scenes leading up to that. But yeah, overall, I like the scene between Rom and and Cisco because they're talented actors. Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, it was fun. You don't get to see that combination enough or a, a lot, so it was fun to see them scheming. But other than that, yeah, right. Yeah, because Nog has moved back in with Rom, and Rom was like, "I, I, uh, I thought he was a, a changeling or whatever." And so he's he's taking his blood in the middle of the night. Right, that was good stuff. That was good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and you're just going through a phase, and Jake's going through, and then they're both like, "I wish I had peanut butter in my chocolate," and then just goes like, "I wish I had chocolate in my peanut butter." Yeah, and then he goes, then the the scene at the end is like. I'm your boss. Y'all living together now. Get over it. And you're just like, uh, what, what? I protest. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> but he, let, let me back up just for one second. I do think that we should not overlook Nog's progression as a character at this point. No, you're right. Because what you're happens right. is, is that he, he, there was a time where Nog was a real piece of shit or, you know, right. Oh yeah. And now he's at the next stage of his evolution. <laughs> I'm going to make these bitches chew my bugs for me. <laughs> right, right, right. That, right. That, yeah. And now he's at, he's, he's on that self-improvement. <laughs> he got sent off to military school and now he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's back and he's, he's, he's working out with the four pound weights yeah. And he's yeah. he's keeping everything tight. But it's got a switch on it. If you turn the switch, it turns into a heavier weight because it's the future. But I think that I think that this is especially for what we have coming up next. We still see that Nog is working in earnest to improve his yes. situation, and he takes his duties as a Starfleet cadet seriously. And that's that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like the stru- the resolution at the in the third act of that B plot is kind of just like it's a quick. little pat, and but that's it's a little pat. But I did. I was so happy to see Nog again. Yes, cause like he's only been referred to for a while, and it's like, oh great, Nog's back, and yeah, and he's 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 a good character, and like his growth and his arc through the series is set up well. Uh, you know, I enjoy the actor, so he's doing a good job. They have that scene where him and jake are kind of like odd coupling each other and yeah he's like look man look at and he's all uh man i wouldn't be caught stomping around in those ugly pjs that you're wearing there nog i'd die of embarrassment wearing those pajamas <laughs> and he's like uh jake uh go back and watch the first three seasons of this show and then talk <laughs> shit about what somebody's wearing well, that's how uh, he had to he had to wear that stuff to get a, a swim in Bajoran pussy like he was for like the first three seasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess I just don't like as a lazy man, I, I want to like know a little bit more about why why uh, Jake is was. Yeah, I guess I could pick up my clothes. But it seemed like there was a little bit more of an interesting place to go with that. Right. Right. He like, was. He's, like, it's the first time he's out from under his father's wing and his mm-hmm. father is a starfleet captain i bet he runs a tight ship in their quarters right mm. so he's now he's like i can do whatever the fuck i want i can throw my clothes into the replicator for some reason the way that they 
dress that set. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm saying like, why couldn't why why didn't instead of just being lazy, why didn't he drink a little bit? You know, you get writer's block. I do like the joke that he's playing playing Dom Jot. Yeah, right. He's playing D- D- Texas Hold'em on his, <laughs> yeah, on, his yeah. on his phone, and and, and they're like I'm writing, and then you're playing Texas Hold'em, and like what's the line that they always use on uh, you're the worst? It's like writing takes many forms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very much a, <laughs> you're the worst kind of like it. Yeah, and so what if he was I don't know doing something more interesting than nothing yeah and oh i've got a theory about that story because nod comes in and, and he's like oh i saw this and he picks up oh what do you you, you picked up my writing is like oh yeah uh it was past prologue yeah which is the first season episode uh, so what if mm-hmm. all of deep space nine is just a holodeck program <laughs> written by jake cisco and in the final episode, Riker's going to come in and, and say, in program. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all a dream. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, maybe. Uh, ugh, this show. And then and then it, it has the whole thing like, oh, well, what did you think of the story I wrote? It's like, oh, oh I don't know. You had some uh, typos in there. And, and then mm-hmm. uh, it's almost a meta moment on DS9 at this point. It's like, wait a minute. Did you change the line? And then the script supervisor is like, what? Did you change the line? <sighs> Just tell me if you're changing the line, so we have to go run this back. No. Oh, yes. Are you changing the line? What do you mean? Are you changing the you, line? You can't just change the writer's words without talking to him about it. That's primary... D-Space D- 9 at this point. Is yeah, the, the, B-plot, the B-plot wasn't the hottest fire. It had some highlights because it, it was a little Cisco heavy, and it's nice to see Nog back, but... I mean, when I think about this episode, I actually forgot the, about the Nog and, and Jake stuff. I was primarily thinking about the Odo Quark stuff. Because yeah, yeah. like Wade said, one of the mm. first relationships that they set up in this is the adversarial relationship between the two. And even at the beginning of this episode, when we first see the scene between the two and, and uh, Quark has been called before a grand jury, this is the moment that Oda's been waiting for and he states you know for 10 years I've been waiting to see you get nailed so I'm going to take you with me yeah like eight years I think yeah Mm. so that's so this this episode clearly moves that down down the field a little bit because there's some animosity and mistrust there and and the the mistrust is the you know key to the whole episode because if they just open their komodos a little bit and and exchange a little bit of information at the top they want to have been like Odo said, we would have been on the defiant around a bunch of my security guards because he's right, right. going to be a witness. He's not criminal for the grand jury testifying against Orion syndicate. Right. Yes. If I were going to make one slight kind of criticism of this episode, which I mean, I guess you could make, we've had growth between Quark and Odo. Yes. And part of this shows kind of built on it and it does kind of play into it later scenes kind of accept what has come before but at the beginning when he's like ah oh, you're i'm finally putting you away you son of a bitch i've been waiting eight years for this and now you're going to jail forever we've lived enough with quark and odo to where like i expect odo would be almost a little bit bummed if he knew that was for certain happening that the chase is over you know and this is almost the closest thing to a friend he has but he's just so like reveling and ah, you're going away forever, and I don't have to see you anymore. Yeah, which yeah, it we was really don't. Little... We really don't see Quark doing a whole bunch of shady shit for over the last like four seasons. Like, right? <laughs> yeah, it's... that's one of the things that it felt like. And I know, looking forward, I, I, I at first I was like, oh, I just I'm gonna say that two episodes in a row are boring as shit and give them no light or whatever. But like, we're coming up upon literally some of like the 
the begotten for the uniform yeah. in Purgatory's Shadow by Inferno's Light. Yeah, some by meaty stuff coming up. Doctor Bashir, yeah, yeah. I sure. Yeah, that's coming up. So like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go here. Yeah, like I felt like this was ironing over areas that they had already went over. You know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And this is the point in most of the other seasons where they are starting kind of to tread water, mm-hmm. and usually we get really bad episodes like Meridian or something. But this one, I think, is. You know, it's, it's not as bad as Murray. It's not as bad as the this worst. Is not of, a, yeah. As far as it's a good episode, I think it's just not. Yeah, it, I think it's a fine episode. It's just not straight fire. Mm-hmm. Like we get. I still think that the season five has yet to have a bad episode. We've had episodes that just they're they're fine. They're either fine, good or great so far. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one's I have good. Yeah. It's like a obnoxious rap reference number two. Uh, it's like if season five is Kanye's My Dark Fantasy album, this is like Jay-Z's track on Monster. It's not as bad as it could have been, but it's still pretty bad considering everything else around it. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I say in my white guy voice. Uh. <laughs> Yes, uh, yes. This is Jay Z's verse and monster. This album, this episode. There is some good stuff early on, like the they're on, on the runabout, and Quirk is like, "You want to play some Fizzbin?" And like, "I don't want to play cards with you." There we go. That is a reference to TOS because oh. James T. Kirk invented Fizzbin. Oh, he invented it in some fucking episode. In some by fucking what episode. cutting the corners off at the cards and making a round card? Or... <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, he invented it in a piece of the action. Kirk had a failed Kickstarter campaign (laughs) for his card game that he came up with. (laughs) Well, maybe it's when they went back to like the 20s uh, and played Chicago Gangsters. Oh, that's right. It's one of those that I never watched because I just, because it's a time travel episode not written by Harlan Ellison, so I don't give a (laughs) shit. Right. So I've never watched it. Yeah, or it's a planet where they just decide to debase their society on gangsters, so they're actually aliens. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We look yeah. exactly like yeah, yeah, Chicago. Right, right. I remember that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, oh, I don't want to play with you. And then Quark has that great kind of like, you know, I thought that maybe your problem was that you were a changeling, but now you're, you know, I, th- I always thought you were a dick, but it's not because you're a changeling. You're, you're just a dick. Before, you couldn't drink, eat, you couldn't fuck you can make love <laughs> but now you're one of us and you're still just a miserable self-hating <laughs> misanthrope <laughs> but you're fucking now baby what's <laughs> yeah, like, like, but he ain't you can't fucking he knows how to, someone needs to go teach him how to masturbate <laughs> right they can't all watch billy Con- connolly comedy routines <laughs> like i did he's got to go learn <laughs> well most of us figure yeah i don't know yeah maybe i don't well that's 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 uh that would be Deep Space Nine after dark, I guess. Which <laughs> is all I really want in life. Right. Oh, you know where he's <laughs> learning to do that is from his romance novels. <laughs> he's reading erotica. Oh, yeah. He reads He reads quite a bit of porn, it turns out. Yeah. And he comes up with some bullshit excuse for it helps him at his That's job. right. He, he walked towards her. <laughs> that was I'm weird. To do, I'm doing my AS, ASMR voice. I know. <laughs> he walked towards her. The wooden deck heaving to and fro. She unclasped it, her cloak at the throat and it fell her wet skin glistening. You did write all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, lightning flashed. Heaven's thunder roared in rhythm with the beating of their hearts. <laughs> and then, yeah, he gets some bullshit of like, 
it helps you understand the criminals because uh it was like uh what was it why do we make so many kirk eichenwald references on this <laughs> podcast but it was like when kirk eichenwald got caught looking at all that hentai porn on his browser <laughs> right. and he said i was just trying to prove to my my wife and sons that tentacle porn yeah, that people jack off to this stuff <laughs> like did you have to download that yeah. one so it needs prove- two terabytes for proof <laughs> well it's a very wide genre <laughs> 33,000 files, I told you. No more, no less. All right. Uh, Yeah, but you know, (laughs) lots of crimes are crimes of passion. And Cork is like, well, I'll tell you what, nobody dies, but I can sell you a first edition copy of Vulcan Love Slave. Yeah. (laughs) Has that book been mentioned before, or will it be mentioned again? Vulcan Love Slave? Is it it Slash? Like, is it? Is it oh. one of those? Uh, yeah, I wonder if like maybe because I know that slash fiction is is based on uh, writing that Spock was a Vulcan love slave to Jim Kirk. Oh yeah, slash fiction was created by women making Kirk Spock porn. Yes, Kirk slash Spock. I wonder if if there was one of those called Vulcan love slave that that might actually be the case. I'm looking it up now. It's mentioned in the Ascent. It's later mentioned as a program in Dipper's New Cloak. Uh, there are also sequels mentioned. Part two and part three is mentioned in Dr. Bashir, I, I presume. So I guess they keep this going for the rest of the yeah, season. Okay. It's check memory beta. Yeah, that's, <laughs> let's, that's a good point, too. So we'll come back to that. Yeah. Odo's been bluffing uh, about why he's going to jail. He doesn't actually know, you know. And then there's a bomb that they find because Quark has really great hearing. A defective anodyne circuit hisses. It doesn't buzz. So he pulls up a panel and finds a little Kroll bomb with spikes on it. I, li- I like that in the extra extra abilities column on the back of his character sheet, it quirks his good hearing. <laughs> yeah. Like that they always find a way to use that I, on the adventure. I do like that. It's, yeah. <laughs> they channel the explosion through the teletransporter buffer. They land on a, a Class L planet, which usually you hear about Class M planets. Class L, there's no, I guess there's plants, but there's no life other than plants on it. If I had to guess what a Class L planet was, but... Nothing to eat and everything's poisonous. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's very cold. Mm -hmm. And the bomb was there because he's testifying against the Orion Syndicate, another TOS reference, the Greenskin people. And he's like, oh, if if I'd known it was the, the Orion Syndicate, we'd be on the Defiant. And he's like, well... If you had asked or whatever, you but you were trying to bluff to get information out of me, and now we're fucked. Right. So yeah, and everything doesn't work. Every they've got one of left of everything that got destroyed in the explosion. Only two rations left, and one ex, uh, foil jacket for an environmental suit. <laughs> yeah, yes. And they have to go hike to the top. They 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 soon figure out that they have to hike to the top of the tallest peak to get their transmitter for a distress signal because that's also been her. And then they take off together. But what happens is of course they end up getting very hungry and eventually Odo gets injured. Yeah. And convinces Quark to go on without him back, you know, not before Quark tries to drag his ass up the mountain some more, but the whole time they are still finger pointing and bickering and basically the mistrust, they figure out that the mistrust is what did them in. Right, right. And that's kind of the that's kind of the point of the story. Right. <laughs> yeah. And what what I do like about this episode is it never gets saccharine and be, and to where they're like, "I'm sorry if I just 
because neither of their characters really would actually do that. Right. That's right. They can realize it, but they're they're still going to be like, fuck you. I hate you. I mean, they have the whole scene where it's like Odo is like, oh, man, you're I'm, I'm going to be so happy when you go to jail. And it's like, I'm not going to jail. They're going to let me go because the Orion syndicate tried to kill me. I'm not a suspect, you dumbass. I'm a snitch. Yeah. And then Odo counters is like, oh, I see. Because you you tried to join, but you're too poor. You've been working for 10 years and you're still small time. You can't afford to pay the dues to join the Horizon Syndicate. And then Court counters back was like, well, you've been wasting 10 years chasing a nobody. What's that say about you, Mr. Great Detective? <laughs> if you can't catch me, if I'm such a piece of shit. Then they get into a, a fight where it's like, oh, you're a thief. Well, you're a prude, lecher, freak, fraud, and fascist. Because we've said it before. He does call him a fascist. He calls him, he a, calls fascist. him a fascist yes. several times. And then Court calls him a failure. But then it's just Court yelling, fascist, fascist, fascist. Which, Neither of them are wrong. Yes. No, they're not. No, nope. <laughs> you know, and I think that's why the barbs, the barbs sting because it's from a person who knows you best. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, and they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's this, and that's the scene where they should have started kissing the first time. <laughs> um, it's a real uh, Brokeback Mountain situation. Like we were up here hiking and camping. And uh, yeah, yeah. I wish I could quit you, Odo. Mm. And at the end, uh, Quark is just trying to make a point that he needed someone, <laughs> not Quark, but someone else. But right. Quark was just trying to do him a solid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Cork is the guy friend that you have that will fuck you to let you know you're gay. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, after the fascist fight, he breaks his leg, and then they. Have- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the reason that um, Iris Stephen Bear said he wrote this episode after he was like, "Well, I had to sort of bend Godot into write, wanting to write something about showing off." Odo's. Sorry, I'm trying not to look bored here. Uh, so to Odo's <laughs> tired, or uh, not tired, that's me. Odo's fragile body. Oh, so no, that that's the first time they've really had to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's like. Because they made it a plot point, but they haven't really dealt with it at all. Right. At one point, he's like, I wish I were still a changeling. I'd turn into a Vorian pterodactyl and just fly to the top of the place. And like, well, you're not. Mm-hmm. So. And then I'm thinking, yeah, that that would have been a fun show. Yeah. To watch. <laughs> I think that's the point is that everybody's I think they started this whole thing of like Odo's not, you know, and they go back to it pretty soon. Nope. Well, Spoiler. Yeah. So you, you were complaining. That but they realized that it was an idea. It, it was an idea with a dead end. <laughs> right. They didn't have any story to tell about his physical well, body. I mean, talk about not. You mentioned there's no conflict in this. Imagine if he just turned into a bird and flew. All right, that was easy. Yeah. I, 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 well, also, there is, it is interesting because agree, it's sort of like Pinocchio becomes a real boy and re- being a real boy is hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> real boys make their, well, I guess wood boys. But yes, yes, you can. I got it. Yeah. I, I guess it's, you're right. I mean, the, this works. It's a story. They hit all the beats they're supposed to. I just, yeah. Yeah. Quirk is like going to give up entirely. I can't walk anymore after he's been dragging Odo up. And then Odo starts crawling and he's like, you're trying to shame me or whatever. And I'm just going to just, just die and accept it with dignity. Like the Ferengi way, I guess. And, but then he's like, oh, my brother's going to get the bar. My nephew's going to be completely corrupted by the Federation, but become a captain. And, and then my bones will freeze and I'll lie here unsold and unmourned. And so that's what gives him the impetus to crawl up by himself. And then Odo's like doing his last chief of security's log. And, and then he's he's uh, nice and he's thoughtful enough to be like, 
Well, Quark's dead. Well, if you find me, vacuum, desiccate, and auction off his body and put me in my bucket, cremate me, put me in my piss bucket, and shoot me through the wormhole. And that's when he gets teleported back up because, oh, surprise, Quark actually pulled it off. The Defiant picks him up. They get an IV drip of polynutrient solution. And, and my dad and Bashir's like, not on my watch. I'm like, easy, Tiger. <laughs> right. you've, you've, done, you've been pretty useless. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, it's like, oh, did Quirk really pull it off? It's like, yes, you saved both your lives. Like, shit. I, mean, I was afraid you say that. And instead of having the nice resolution of like, you know, Odo, yes, Quirk, you're a really good friend. <laughs> They're just like, you remember back there when I told you I hated you? And you told me you hated me vividly. <laughs> I just wanted you to know I meant every word of it. So did I. And they have a laugh. Yeah. But I mean, it's a nice moment because you see that they really are connected, but they will never admit it. And they both know it about each other. It's like the second or third time we've had this kind of moment. Exactly. Yeah. But it's still nice to have when they're both like fuck you fuck you i love you it's still nice to tell your wife that you love her exactly it's still a thing <laughs> it's still nice to know that they can do that yeah i actually think i think that's my issue with it is that that it, it does show like i guess that the episode is showing growth i guess in odo but like we said it's it's growth that he's always been but that i was expecting a more like this would be a time to like take odo in a different direction since you know since the time they started, they were going to take away his stretchy powers. They knew they were going to give it to him back. So you might as well take this opportunity to, like, take him in a different direction for a little while, character-wise. Okay. Oh, yeah. They, this episode, uh, while I think it's good, it's, it could have been improved upon. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a status quo episode, honestly. But uh... Yeah, yeah. But, like, why didn't they go to an episode where he was constantly overeating? Because the cheeseburgers taste good or something, you know, or like why or being drunk. We've made it multiple references to being to being drunk. <laughs> Odo has a problem. Yeah. Yeah. The- yeah. Yeah. Or or Odo just can't regulate, you know, because it he's depressed because the what got him in the situation in the first place is depressing. But now he can sort of feel the whole of that depression with these earthly pleasures in sex, drink, food, whatever get him addicted to chemicals or whatever the majorities <laughs> were <laughs> chemicals <laughs> turning the frogs gay <laughs> yeah or just or you know and other than him like he was shitty his job for an episode and then cisco fixed that right but like there's all kinds of other things that he could do yeah you know and i and i know that they've basically uh because of her pregnancy Kira's off the board yeah they they mention her they mentioned yeah but no 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 but i mean like they can't where he's like i'm a real man now maybe you want to i want to see if you'll relook at my application to be your boyfriend right right <laughs> but he does it in a creepy way and so i like this angle like the way they do it is he keeps talking about all the sex he's having with these other women at their security briefings to like make her jealous <laughs> and she's like oh no i'm really uncomfortable it's like oh man it was crazy what she was doing last night <laughs> you humanoids i had no idea Yeah, like oh i'm sorry but you've, you've got you've got what's his name 
that's I've got this one. What's the problem? Oh yeah, yeah. And then she's like, "Well, do you want me to talk to you about like uh, what me and him do?" And he's like, "No," because he's like, "Does he know the bit where you can he find the man in the boat?" Like I gotta you know all my uh, time as a changeling taught me a whole lot about anatomy. Does he know about waggling your finger like "Come here"? That- like you know, like uh, you can do all of that kind of you know, but that but something along those lines where he's. You know, like he's obnoxious, like in the way that a, a college age person is obnoxious about the bacchanal of, of earthly pleasures that's opened up to them. Right. He could be that that could be a part of him, too. Would, and it would stretch the role, you know, and ultimately it's unsatisfying and he's got to find himself again. Right. Right. But that could also be a point where Quark and him could have a oh, yeah. interesting two hander episode because Quark is a peddler of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is all that's a very interesting. How would we do this? differently kind of segment there yeah 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 quark becomes his methadone supplier <laughs> it gets him the narcan <laughs> i'm telling you we have to do an intervention like that kind of thing uh, yeah <laughs> look i I'm, i've dealt with people like some people can handle it look i'm a guy that he came to me to get it or something <laughs> even i know that's fucked up when he's yeah, when yeah, yeah. coming to me with it i know he's got a problem <laughs> chemicals <laughs> yes uh how about the real quick what would you do in the guessing like, or what, what do you guys real quick put this on your rewatching meter? Uh, I like this episode, but like I said, it doesn't, it's kind of treading water. It doesn't do anything that new, but uh, other than the B plot does, it brings Nog back, which is fun. Um, okay. So give me a number. I'd put it at six. Two. I would probably put it at probably at eight or nine. It's a high rewatch for me because it's uh, it's a heavy quirk and Odo episode and that like I can that sticks out in my mind that I could just like go grab easily. It's a high rewatch f- for me because it's an easy one to remember that it's heavy on Quark and Odo. Oh, yes. Yeah. So not not because of it's got a specific yeah. merits to it, but like if I just want a Quark and Odo episode, this is the one I'm going to go to because I could just remember you know, based off the title, what it uh, was about. Yeah, so yeah. this is like a yeah. nine or a ten for me on the rewatch meter. Yeah, okay. it's higher than the, the. This may be the furthest. This may be the furthest apart we've been. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, for you, different. Y'all are usually kind of close. The rewatches are different animals. Of you, you rewatch stuff for different reasons. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, that's true. What do you guys think about the people of IMDb? What do you think they gave this? Seven point one. That's a good number. Uh, it forces me to overthink it with my guts. Uh, 7 point 7.4 it is a 7.4 it is it's Damn it. <laughs> uh, it is a you know people uh, like okay. these characters no, that's a pretty good sorry you know so <laughs> hey i'm still closer than i have been last season uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah that's we're, we're in the yeah we're in the ballpark i here. mean you've gotten them spot on like three out of the last five which is hey i, I don't know why i'm not, yeah, I'm not I, mad i'm just giving you props man <laughs> i think i'm trying to get like a bearing on where they go every now and then they'll throw me a wild a wild yeah. card all right guys all right now it's time for voicemails and emails is that right wade uh that's right all right let's go yes okay what do you hate you well, that's fine with me because i hate you too you're nothing but a petty thief! You're an arrogant brute. Lecher! Freak! Fraud! Fascist! Failure! Fascist! Fascist! 
All right, uh, we got some voicemails here. Uh, let's just get into them. We got a lot of he who is without sins. Oh, is that the oh, is that my controversial loving of that episode is going to come? Yeah, that might come up. Okay, cool. All right. So first off, we got a call from a good friend of the show, Kate. Hey guys, it's Kate. Um, just calling in quickly because I just finished listening to your episode about Nor Battle to the Strong, and I had a couple of quick thoughts that you didn't really cover in the episode of the podcast. So one of the things, I do like the episode a lot. Um, I agreed with most of what you had to say about it. And it's nice to see Jake getting a sort of serious storyline and getting to do some dramatic stuff instead of just, you know, silly plots where he and Na get into trouble or really bizarre, awful plots where he gets seduced by a space vampire. Um, but basically one of the things that bothered me during this rewatch was that everybody was treating Jake as though he was a soldier, not quite, but, and he sort of treated himself this way too. Like it was, it was sort of like Jake expected himself to perform to the standards of someone with Starfleet training, even though Jake is an 18 year old civilian with no combat training. Um, nobody should have expected him to fight anyone or like stand his ground in any combat situation. And I guess the, you know, the old, the dying guy in the pit or whatever didn't know who he was and didn't know that he wasn't in Starfleet. But I don't know, maybe his outfit and age should have kind of given it away. Like, it's <laughs> and, and at the end too, when Cisco is like, Obviously, Cisco, that seat at the end was great, and he was very encouraging and comforting, and I loved that. But also, I think at some point in the episode, someone should have just said to Jake, hey, it's okay, you know, you, nobody expects you not to run away from danger. That's your job. You're supposed to stay alive. You're not supposed to fight <laughs> because you're not a soldier. Um, so that was just kind of weird, especially in, I guess, this enlightened future like you would think people would be able to make that distinction between jake untrained you know just out of high school kid with no combat experience and everybody else in the episode and i think you know jake was really brave even just the stuff he does helping out in the hospital and um you know, overcoming his own squeamishness at the beginning. Like, that was really amazing. Um, I've never been in a situation like that. I don't know if I would have been able to do that. But, yeah, I think someone should have just sat him down and been like, hey, it's fine. You don't have to charge into battle. You don't have to face Klingons. That's not your job. Um, yeah, so. Was that it? Uh, that was it. Yeah, she got cut off at the three-minute mark. She, okay. she, she makes a good point because that is – that's a, like a glaring problem with the episode that we didn't touch upon, but I think it's the reason why it was he was treated as such because they were trying to trying to to do their World War One book thing so hard, right? Yeah, yeah. it's because they were trying they're... to what what book is it off? What uh, is it? Farewell to Arms, I believe. Farewell to Arms. Yes, they're. I think it's because they were going hard into the paint with the Farewell to Arms riff. Yeah, and 
I think that if the, if they weren't so dedicated to following that template, that they probably would have had a conversation. Somebody should have had a conversation. I agree with her. I think. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Cisco does say at the end, like, "Look, man, you know, like, oh, I, it's okay. Everybody gets this." And he does point out that you know you're not a coward, but yeah, I've said I've said several times uh, over the course of this of of this podcast that I wanted the show to make a more effective critique against the Federation. And one of the critiques that you could have, and 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 yeah, it's an accident of how the show is constructed, because you're you're on a space vessel and you have a, essentially a military for your characters, but that the show does tend to represent the Federation in that future in a pretty militaristic terms. Now it's not like it's not like conquest and and, and violence, so it's not like Rome or something, but there is like a just sort of like in all echelons of power, there is just a military presence that you would think would be uncomfortable to a large egalitarian post-scarcity society. It's a weird mashup, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, it is, yeah, it that... is weird that a po- like a like a post-scarcity society would be so militaristic. I guess, mm-hmm. or and it's the good military. I mean, it's a good militaristic. You don't. I mean, it's not like a lot of, but they. But every now and then they veer into buzz cut, it, like Stephen Lang and Av- Avatar, right? Uh, that sort of thing. I mean, they sort of veer into that, but it tries to be like the good side of military, the Horatio Hornblower and stuff like that. But it is still kind of Prussian and kind of yeah, creepy. I guess it, it's a weird kind of dichotomy, like the show. I mean, because you could play into the the military Starfleet is different than the civilians, but then that kind of it kind of makes Starfleet feel more insidious, you know. So you want them to be kind of these egalitarian, mm-hmm. kind of civilian minded, but at the same time they have this. It's a really, yeah, it's a hard thing to kind of square. Yeah, and it's been yeah, so- it's been a hard thing to square since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is a problem, especially the more that you go I mean, into it, it. It was easier in, like, in TOS because you're coming off, all the people were actually in battle, even, you know, like, Scotty mm-hmm. killed Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody was, military service was just, like, the norm for men of a certain age to do Well, and they were straight up doing Horatio Hornblower stuff. I mean, that's what he, they, Mm -hmm. you know, they were riffing on that. So, yeah, I mean, there, I mean, yeah, everybody was very much uh, familiar with, you know, military service, just, you know, everyone from the top down because we had, you know, been basically in an endless war since the start of World War II, but by 1966. So, but when, when did that really stop? And we basically been in an endless war. Well, (laughs) we, we stopped briefly in the eighties. You remember when America got like blue balls about wanting to use the Ronald Reagan's amassed military for some reason? <laughs> they were like looking for anything. It was like a palpable feeling I had growing up is we have all of these toys and we want to go kill people with them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was a little bit of blue balls that's, there. That's but where all our favorite movies come from. Yes. Like that was like every Golan and Globus movie. Like every yeah. uh, is that Delta Force and all that kind of shit. Or even Rambo and stuff. But yeah, nonetheless, yeah. yeah, that 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 brings me to like a real formal critique that but, you could have. But Kate does have a that. good point. Somebody should have pulled <laughs> yeah, Jake aside yeah, to be like, you can't expect, you, you know, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have to go face Klingons yourself, and nobody right. expects all this shit. I mean, they're all very nice to him about it, but nobody actually sits him down and ex- says it explicitly to <laughs> him. They're all nice to him, but they're just gonna let that, you know, 
uh, unspoken pressure just kind of way down on them when they could be nice and say, hey, look, we understand. Yeah. yeah. You're different from us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What else have we got voicemail-wise? All right. Let's see. All right. So we have a few calls here. We'll probably keep getting a few calls maybe on, uh, you know, that that fucking episode. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, the war. Fuck it's, it's an infamous episode among people who like DS9. Most people don't really care for the Ryza episodes, but people do have opinions, and they share them with us. And we like hearing. And they're them. wrong, but they're but you can share <laughs> well, it. Well, that's like your opinion, man. Yeah, they might be wrong. They might be right. Let's listen to this one from Tom from Cleveland and figure some of this out. Okay. Hey, gentlemen, this is Tom from Cleveland. Uh, I'm sure you, knowing uh, your fan base, we're going to get a ton of phone calls for the Without Sin episode, so I'm going to get my foot in the door here quickly. Just a couple things. Do we think that RISA was the only unanimous vote for acceptance into the Federation uh, in the history of the Federation? It's like, the one thing? Yes. Yes, they can come in. Um, two, how does that planet even make sense in, because it is a one-and-done planet, and we are removing the relationship part out of sex. How does that planet even exist in the days of Hollow Suites, where you can customize your love them and leave them avatar to your specific kink and or desire? Why bother beaming down and finding somebody? Again, we're not talking about the relationship piece or the interaction with another person. That's not what Ryza is all about. Uh, Two, is Ryza as a planet geographically synced up to if your particular like and or dislike, you need to go to this part of the planet, uh, whatever you're into, you need to land over here, which King cities inserted fear of mine whenever I'm traveling that I'm going to get a hotel in the wrong part of town. So, you know, I'm going to. You know, the arts district, walking distance of all these theaters and, and museums, and I inevitably end up in the financial district where it's all sports bars and Brooks Brothers. Um, you imagine that? You're, you plan this trip to rise, and you step outside your hotel on the first day, and you look around, and you're like, damn, I'm not in any of these people. Okay, I need to go somewhere else. Um, and finally, this would be a much better episode if, if that team of evangelicals were people who were in the shit. You know, these were survivors of Wolf 359. These were people who lost people when the Dominion attacked the non-Enterprise and blew that up. People who were hardcore, who were like, you know what, no, we're not ready. We need to get ready. Would have made a much better episode instead of these uh, evangelical stand-ins. Well, gentlemen, I always love the show. Uh, I need to run. i got to go moisturize a trail. Later. <laughs> So I bet that you end up finding a situation where you you would like to maybe try something in the kink city, but you don't want to go by yourself. You need like a Sherpa to like <laughs> what you know because you don't want to be the Sherpa, <laughs> like yes. the, the facilitator of the uh, whole Tintibi Lagoon. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> Vanessa Williams. Yeah, so you're like I I I I want to fuck tentacle aliens. But like you don't like know anybody that's into tentacle alien fucking like is there the whole city that David Carradine that would go to with just like, <laughs> a wide variety of belts? Well, yes. that's, this all is this all brings like pretty big questions about the world building to my mind. Like, 
like say like okay is, is there like a boys town segment of Riza and if Jesus so, Christ Wade what boys town is just a part of Chicago where the gay people live it's right. not like a get, I thought you but, meant actual boys like children no no no, 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 no. Jesus <laughs> no I, it's not I'm not talking about Thailand I'm, I'm, <laughs> I didn't mean to, I mean we could go there. that's called um, uh, 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 or, or, let's, Prime say, but that's a whole Dune thing yeah uh, <laughs> we could say Fire Island is there a Fire Island right. on yes but uh, the other thing is but those places exist because of the kind of ghettoization or we've discriminated against these people and they've had to find their own spaces. I would think in a place like Riza where everyone's accepted, I think maybe there'd be less impetus to force people out. Or would it just be that it's just location wise people would do. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. That's basically what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, in a world that's post this kind of stuff, would how would those okay but that, this is this is pretty typical of star trek though is that you yeah, posit yeah. a world that's a pleasure planet whole planet and what you have all these questions about that are based off of pleasure like you know where do we go for this where do we go for that but what we end up getting the most information about is their weather system that's that, <laughs> right, is, right. that is typical star trek for you yeah right like we yes. know we know we know the most about their weather system everything else not answered. All right. Yeah, I was thinking about like okay, so like this, I was reading about this thing. Like I'm trying to get into Memphis rap, and it's not working because it sucks. <laughs> but um, uh, I said, but there was a Yo Gotti concert, and I was like, I could go to a Yo Gotti concert here. And then I was like, and then I was like, uh, I need friends who would take me to a Yo Gotti concert, and because they just don't know this town, and I don't know, you know, and, I, and you don't like. I don't know. You don't want to be day tripping into somebody else's. I don't know. Right, right, right. And and I and I'm sure that Tentacle Planet or Tentacle Island is probably the same situation. Right. And so I'm interesting. What that's what I would want is like sexual kink concierge. You need you characters. need a buddy like Kurt Eichenwald. No, or maybe you. you could just rent like a concierge service oh, where right, you right. just you like it's not a hooker. Maybe it's even someone of the same, se- you know, like even right. heterosexual would be someone of the same sex, but just someone that knows, like, you go to this club, you want to avoid this club, you're not ready for that club. That club will scare you. Right. Let's go here. It's a mild club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think like that's Vanessa Williams' job, right? I think, I think so. Thing. I think it. I think, I think it was it's so weird, though. That yeah, was... but it just seemed like she was like the cruise director for the boringest. It was like right. like. Yeah. Well, it was the '90s. It was like how old people talk about fucking, where they right. they it sounds romantic. They get in a tub, but they their their genitals never touch. <laughs> it's what it seemed like. What you ended up with, and that was the problem of the episode. But yeah, yes. it just turns into a Cialis commercial where you're in two separate tubs holding hands. Mm-hmm. HBO should have made a deal with Paramount and made a whole series about a series Riza. of Riza. <laughs> yes, <laughs> real sex Star Trek. Oh yeah. man. You know what? I, guess. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if if HBO had their own Rise of series, it would blow Discovery out of the water. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. And you know what? You would have to get you'd have to get like a name. And that name is probably Steven Soderbergh. Oh yeah. You would have to get a name attached to it that would give it the veneer of like uh, you know, like art. And for your, uh, all your naked stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then like uh would be great. And then yes, that the would green be green totally girlfriend cool. experience. Yeah, the green <laughs> girlfriend experience or 
behind the space candelabra. I mean, there's all kinds of behind like, the green right. door. Yes, <laughs> it's like that's there you Co- go. Yeah, there you go. What's the <laughs> Cosmopolis? Is that what the wasn't that his big thing about like his obsession with masturbating and he played himself in it? Sex Not lies, sex lies, and view no, screens. The, that, no, that, the music. <laughs> yes, that's he made a movie about how much he likes to masturbate. Yeah, he 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 starred himself in a in a in a in his own movie. Yeah, I don't know. If that, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know about it, the masturbating. Um, it's something about yeah. I yes. Yes. All right. So we got any more voicemails? Yeah. We could well, talk about this shit all night. Oh yeah. Well, and and the, he does make a good point about like if the evangelical uh, footloose, not flash dance, like I said in the pod, the sick in the mud guys that are trying to ruin everybody's fun. If they were like had an actual identifiable perspective that you could relate to like they were in the shit and they realized that the dominion you know but they're they're just like evangelical sticks in the mud so he, okay are we we got we got more i bet we're not done with talking about this episode <laughs> oh no but maybe we can be done for tonight <laughs> oh. uh oh we're gonna come back to he who is without sin a few more times. Okay, I, now wait. If somebody wants to get a hold of us and leave a voicemail of their own, what should they do? They should give us a call. Do it. Call the Kickers of Elves hotline number at 917-408-3898. Talk to us about all the Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, or whatnot, or whatever else you want us to talk about. Uh, yeah, do that. Or if you can't call us and you still want to record a message and you can do that send it to our email at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com you can reach us there and if you want to support the show please that's how this show continues to go uh, you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash kickers of elves where we have a lot of extra content for you over there are much ado about nothing series and a lot of uh, behind the scenes. Well, not behind the scenes. Well, yeah, other stuff we talk about when we're not talking about Star Trek. A lot of bonus uh, audio and, and uh, assorted other stuff over there. So, patreon.com slash kickers of elves. Yeah. All right. Yes. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. We hope you join us next week as we go through another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, three to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.